Welcome to Main Menu for the week of March 8th through March 14, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and very glad to have you with us today on Main Menu. We're always pleased to have you with us here on Main Menu. Whether you're a returning listener or a new listener, if you are a new listener, welcome aboard. We are very pleased that you came by to visit with us today and hope you'll continue to come back to listen to our show. We have quite a lineup of things for you today, and we're going to get into that right away. We do want to mention to you that we are always anxious to hear your comments about the show and suggestions for things you'd like to have us cover here on Main Menu. You can do that in any number of ways. Probably the easiest might be to come to our webpage at www.mainmenu.acbradio.org, and there you can leave us a comment. Or you can join the Main Menu Friends mailing list and join all of the interesting conversation on there with other Main Menu listeners. And we sometimes discuss things on there that we don't have time to discuss here on Main Menu by coming and being a part of the Main Menu Friends mailing list. We're going to get right on into what we've got up for today. First up is Rich Cavallero, and Rich is going to be talking about the new Victor Stream and the second generation of the Victor Stream from Humanware. He's going to demonstrate all the various features and talk about what all comes with the new Victor Stream, and you'll want to hear all about the new stream. It's got a lot of new, interesting stuff, and I'm sure you'll want to hear all about that. Then David Woodbridge from Vision Australia is going to come to us with a presentation and showing us how to use the callback feature in iOS 6 on your iPhone to call back someone who has called you. And Chase Chrisman comes to us with one of his final interviews from the ATIA conference. He's going to be talking with the people from Duxbury about the latest from Duxbury and the newest translation softwares from Duxbury and some things they're working on for the future. And then Earl Harrison from Triumph Technology comes to us and he's going to be demonstrating the iRead scanning software. He is going to tell us all about the iRead software and demo how it works and show us all about it. And then Chase Crispin comes back to us again with another interview from ATIA and this one is from Enabling Technology. They're going to talk about all of the new braille embossers that Enabling has and some that they've had for a while and give us a good overview of the various kind of braille embossers that they have at Enabling Technology. And that rounds out our program for this week. You have a wonderful week. Hope you get a lot of valuable information out of today's show, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. Hello, everyone. This is Rich Cavallaro here today to bring a podcast on the new second-generation Victor Reader Stream Portable Digital Talking Book Player from Humanware. I'm sure many of you listening to know what the Victor Reader Stream is, but in short, it is a portable device that allows one to play various audio and text file formats, including DAISY, both audio and text, MP3, AUG, FLAC, iTunes, M4A, unprotected iTunes, that is, 
as well as txt, html, docx, and brf and brl files. So what's new in the second generation? Well, the whole design of the unit has changed as far as the actual size of the unit. It's about 25 or so percent smaller than the previous generation. And you'll notice that immediately when you pick it up, if you compare both generations, uh, the second gen is much smaller and sleeker. It has rounded edges, and it's uh, made a very nice-feeling, sturdy plastic. And uh, when I first took it out of the box, I was very impressed with the overall size. So good job, Humanware, on the redesign of the casing. It's nice and sleek. Besides that, the speaker has been redesigned. It is louder on its higher settings, so you'll definitely be able to hear it. If I say you're cooking lunch and you put your Victorita stream down on a countertop, you'll still be able to hear your book. So that is very nice. Although it does have a louder output, it does have a little bit of tinny sound to it. I've noticed that. And you'll get to hear what the speaker sounds like and judge that for yourself in a couple of minutes. Besides the louder speaker, uh, the text-to-speech has changed. So they're using acapella. This is Heather and Ryan of the two voices that are provided. And there are other languages available. Um, depending on what part of the world you live in, you can get other versions of the firmware. For example, there are voices for the United Kingdom and a few others that you can download off the Humanware website. Micro USB is also new. Um, you use that to both charge and transfer files. And with the advent of that connection in Stream Generation 2, you will notice that transferring uh, files is much faster. That is definitely a big improvement. And also it's nice that they've gone to such a generic standard as micro USB because both the cable and charger which can plug into the wall are a very standard accessory so if you ever need to replace one of them you can do that in any electronic store and not have to worry about getting a proprietary AC adapter from humanware. Also new in the area of features is recording. You can plug in a stereo microphone into the stereo microphone jack. This is also a combination line input and you can uh, plug in either one of those um, sources into this jack. And uh, I will demo recording in just a little bit. So, before we get into the description, let's talk about what's in the box. In the box, you get the unit itself with the battery already pre-installed. You get a 4GB SD card already installed. You get the USB wall charger, two cables, a micro USB cable for connecting it to your computer or the support charger. And you also get a short USB cable that you can plug thumb drives and cartridges into the unit. And you also will be getting a silicone case. At the time of recording the shipment of streams in the unit that I was given here did not come with a case, but that is soon to follow and will be shipped to all customers who ordered a unit. So that is basically all you get in the box. We've talked about what's new as far as the features. Let's talk about a description of the unit. As I've said, it's much sleeker. It's 3.9 ounces in weight. The keypad layout has not changed at all. This very familiar Victor Reader keypad layout, with the exception um, of one button, and we'll get to that button in a second here. But starting on the top, you have the SD card slot, and behind that is the holes to which the speaker uh, is located. To the right of the SD card slot is the headphone output. This is an 8th inch stereo output. To the right of the headphone jack on the right side is the microphone line-in stereo input. This is a combination jack that you can switch between microphone and line input in the menus. And the record button is underneath that. On the left-hand side, you have your traditional round power button 
which also doubles as a toggle for volume, speed, and tone, and your up and down controls to adjust the selected value. So that's what's on the sides and the top of the unit. On the front of the unit, you have your go-to key, the new button, which is the round Wi-Fi button or airplane mode button. That they, that's how they call it in the manual. And that toggles the Wi-Fi on and off. To the right, you have your diamond-shaped bookmark key. And below that, you have your standard 12-key numeric keypad with two dots on the five. That definitely helps for orientation. And below that, you have a horizontal line separating the sleep key, which also doubles as the date and time button. And below that, you have your rewind, play, and fast-forward keys in the traditional way, just as they were found on the first generation. Now, on the back of the unit, you have the battery door. This is a redesigned battery door. In the first generation, you had a door that you had to take off, and then the battery was there. But the battery and the door are at one piece. There's a little latch that you lift up on, and the battery pops out, and it is in my hand. And I have it here, and it comes away, and now you just have the unit. And the battery and the door are all integrated into one piece. So what I'm going to do now to put it back on is to lift up the latch, and I'm going to insert it and let's put the latch back down and it snaps right into place so very easy to remove the battery I like the redesigned door so now we've described the stream and now what I'm going to do is turn it on and we'll show you a couple things here so I'm going to now hit the power button and hold it in until we hear a beep and it's made a beep and it should be starting up in just a second here welcome to Victor Reader music folder 6. The Almond Brothers Band Beacon Theater, March 21st, 2012. Disc 1. File 1. Zero one one way out dot mp3. So it started up, and this is an album that I copied over from my CD collection. So what I am going to do is... Volume 15. You can see that we are all the way up on the maximum volume. I'm going to turn it volume. down a little bit here because it 12. was distorting a bit. And hit the play key on this track. Not gonna have it play too long. So as you can see, turn the speaker all the way up here. Definitely louder output, but uh, a bit of a tinny sound. Now, just like you did on the first generation stream, you have your bass and treble controls. You probably won't notice any difference on the speaker, but I can turn the bass all the way up. That would definitely be best or heard in a good set of headphones. And you've got a treble control. And all the traditional ways of navigating music by using your 2 and 8 keys. Level 2. Beat. Level 1. The Almond Brothers Band. Billy Joel. So you can see that you can navigate from folder to folder. I have my um, music organized by artist in level 1 and then level 2. Let's see if I go back to the Almond Brothers Band. The Almond Brothers Band. And if I hit the 8 key, level two. Beat file. File. now this is the file level, Zero. but if we go level back up, two. level 2, you can see that we can move from subfolder to subfolder, so that has not changed, and of course you're hearing the acapella heather, which is a very nice sounding speech, and uh, we will demo that next, as that is a new feature. So that um, is, by the way, a demo of the speaker. As you can tell, it's definitely louder with a little bit of a tinny sound to it. So I'm going to go to the text bookshelf. Bookshelf. Music. Podcasts. Text files. One. Book. 
seeingeye.txt. This is the user guide for the Seeing Eye GPS app, which can be downloaded from the Sendera Group website. I'm going to hit the play key and have Heather read to you for a little bit. Seeing Eye GPS user's guide getting started installation. Select the installation link after finding the app in the Apple Store and tap to install Seeing Eye GPS on your device. You will be prompted to confirm that you would like to install Seeing Eye GPS. So that's at the default speed. I'm going to start it reading and I'm going to speed it up a little bit. And you can see how when you sped it all the way up, how good the speech sounds. GPS. Speed. Swipe to the cancel button and twice to the install button and follow the prompts. Registering your copy of Seeing Eye GPS when launched the app for the first time. Registration screen load. You will be prompted for your first and last name, mail address, and state country. Swipe the here, enter first and last name, text field. Select it to bring up the keyboard and to input your first and last name. Target the top of the keyboard. You will find so as you can see. Next and close button. Select next to advance to the email text field. Tone. Use the volume. Key. So you've got volume, speed, and tone. So as you can see, the speech sounds very good, even at fast speeds. But let's not forget Ryan. We're going to hold down the 7 key. And we'll switch to Ryan. And I'll do the same thing like I did before with Heather. The keyboard to input your email, the at symbol and period are next to And I'm going to hit the round button to adjust the speed. Select next to advance to the state or country text field. Enter your state or country and select the close button top right of the keyboard. Continue. Below state or country text field, you will find optional checkbox to indicate whether you would like to receive additional emails from the CNI. If you choose to submit, select the submit button. If not, select the close button. The next screen in the installation process is the welcome to seeing our GPS page. So as you can tell, voices sound great. And for reading a lot of text-based content from Bookshare, material you've gotten off the internet, very, very nice. I, I think that that is one of this device's biggest strengths. I love Octella, and I think it's an excellent text-to-speech engine. And, of course, just like in the first-generation Victor Reader stream, you've got all your navigation elements, so I'm going to hit the 2 and 8. Screen. Character. Spell. And we can word. navigate by word using the 4 and 6. Paste it as with any GPS application. And use 4 and 6. You can sentence. go to sentence. GPS accuracy can vary widely and addresses can also be inaccurate. Yeah, I'm gonna line go to paragraph character screen character space G P S space A C C U So you've got all the traditional navigation commands that has not changed from the first generation to the second generation. So that is Acapella. I'm gonna switch back to Heather. Heather. Because I personally prefer Heather for my uh, Texas speech listening, but that is personal preference. So that is the speaker and text-to-speech. Uh, micro USB can't really show you much new on that since that's more of a hardware change, only to say that when you plug the stream into your computer, it will charge the battery off micro USB and also allow you to transfer files to the device, and it is much faster. Although, if you really want to charge it quicker, charging it off of the wall uh, definitely will charge it a bit faster than your PC will. So next, let's cover Wi-Fi. This is a new feature of the stream. To turn Wi-Fi on, you tap the round button in between the Go To page and the bookmark buttons. I will do that now. Airplane mode, enable. And airplane mode is enabled. Uh, that's to say the Wi-Fi is off. So I'm going to hit the 7 key, which is the traditional Victor Reader menu button. Menu, wireless, airplane mode. Enable. Airplane mode. 
Enable. And that's the only option we have because we have to disable it by hitting the six key. Disable. And now we're gonna hit the power key to select it. Selected. And now we're gonna hit the eight key. Import a network configuration from file. We can import a network configuration from file. This is done using the Humanware Companion. At time of recording, that version of the Companion has not been released yet. By the time you hear this, it probably will be, and you will be able to, from the Companion, create a file you can import the SD card with all your network settings. So if, for example, you have a long network key, you can type it in on your PC and then import that file to the stream's SD card. Scan for available connections. We'll do that in a minute. That's scan for available connections. Create a new connection. This is if you want to do, if you were creating a connection manually that the stream would not find by scanning for networks. And by the way, the Wi-Fi chip is 802, both B, G, and N. Airplane mode. Disable. And we're going to go back to airplane mode. Uh, now we're going to go down again. We've wrapped back up to the top of the menu. And now we're going to down arrow and scan for networks. Import a network configuration from file. Scan for available connections. And I'm going to push the pound key. SSID. Harbor Guest Network. And we're going to down arrow. WSN Wireless. Upper Harbor Network. Uppercase H A R B O R space uppercase N E T W O R K 45%. And you can see that it lists all the connections. This is the one I want to connect to. It does have a key, so I'll pause the recording and enter it. But you can see that the Texas Beach Reddit spelled out the SSID, and the pre recorded prompt told us the signal strength. Enter password. Enter password. So I'm going to do that now. I'll be back with you in just a second. Connected to Harbor Network, uppercase H-A-R-B-O-R, -R, space uppercase N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Enter a nickname for this network. And I'm going to call it Home. And I'm going to enter that by using the traditional text message style method of input you would on a cell phone. So H. Two taps of the four for each. Three for O on the o. six. M. One for M on the six again, and two for E on the three. I'm going to push enter. Connected to home. There we go. Now, if I push the Wi-Fi button again. Text files. See. Connected to Wi-Fi. Please wait. Read it twice. It will now go out and check if there are any firmware Player updates. Player is up to date. And it says player is up to date. Now, if I had any NLS keys on the server, which I don't, it would automatically download those. But one other way you can definitely check your internet connection is you can hit the 7 key and go back into the menu here. Cancel. Press online key to return to standard bookshelf. And we're going to hit the 7 key again to um, go back into the menu. Menu. Wireless. Airplane mode. Disable. And we're going to up arrow. Validate connection. And this is a new option which you get when you're connected to a network. I'm going to push enter and you're going to hear the following. Completed. Congratulations. You have successfully configured the internet connection of your Victor Reader stream. The text of this message has been downloaded from the Humanware website into a book file named Wireless Test Results.html on your text bookshelf. You may delete this book if you wish. The time of the download was March 2, 2013 at 7.53 and 16 seconds p.m. Eastern Time in Canada. You may revalidate the internet connection at any time using the wireless menu option on the stream and then selecting the validate connection item. Press the play key if you wish to repeat this message. End of book. 
and that indeed was downloaded. So I'm going to first show you how to turn off Wi-Fi. You first hit the 7 key. Menu. Wireless. Airplane mode. Disable. And I'm going to hit right arrow. Enable. And now Wi-Fi. Selected. Once we hit pound to select it and get out of the menu. Leaving menu. Is off. So that's really all you can do with Wi-Fi. Update the firmware and check if you have NOS keys available on the server. In the future, HumanWare is hoping to expand this to allow one to download podcasts, stream internet radio, download books, some other content providers. But at this point, that is where we are with the Wi-Fi at the time of recording. Also new in the stream is recording. <laughs> um, you can now record using a stereo microphone or a stereo line in source. And you can also record with the built-in microphone. There's at this point an oddity that a few of us are observing that we are currently at this time talking to HumanWare technical support about some units, and you will notice this in mine, is if you listen with a pair of headphones, an odd whine, almost like a sound of a hard drive in the background. And we don't exactly know what is causing that, and we're currently investigating that with HumanWare technical support as to why you hear this whine hard drive-like noise in the background when you're recording. So you will hear that, I'm just letting you know that uh, is being looked into. Before I let you hear a sample of audio, let's go into the recording menu by hitting the 7 key. Menu. Wireless. Airplane mode. Enable. Oops, we're going to hit the cancel key. Leaving menu. And we're going to hit the wireless key to get back to the regular bookshelves. Text files. CI.txt. And I'm going to hit the 7 key. Menu. Navigation and playback. Loop. Disable. And all these options are as they were previously. Skip. Play. This has to do with skippable elements, and that allows one to skip various, say, page numbers and other parts of a daisy book if indeed skippable elements were put into the daisy markup. Language. Text-to-speech voice. Heather. And you've got your text-to-speech voice, either Heather Ryan. or Ryan. Heather. And you can adjust it from that menu or by holding down the number 7 to switch from voice to voice. Recording. Built-in microphone file type. MP3, 96 kilobits per second. Recording time remaining, 59 hours, 22 minutes. So you can see that we have MP3, 96, which is default, and it tells you how many hours are remaining based on the available space on your SD card. Let's hit the 6 key. Wave, 16-bit PCM. Recording time remaining, 8 hours, 4 minutes. So you can see less recording time remaining because Wave is much bigger, but it is uncompressed and the highest quality. MP3, 64 kilobits per second. Recording time remaining, 89 hours, 3 minutes. So another MP3 setting, I'm going to hit the 4 key. Wave, 16-bit PCM. And I'm going to select Recording that. Recording time remaining, 8 hours, 4 minutes. And I'm going to select that. Selected. And now I'm going to hit down arrow. External recording source, microphone. And you've got an external microphone source. Microphone is the first choice. Line in. Or line in. For a stereo line in source, I'm going to choose microphone. Microphone. And I'm going to hit down arrow. External recording mode. Stereo. You've got an external recording mode. Stereo. Mono. Or mono. Stereo. Push it again. External recording file type. MP3 192 kilobits per second. That's the default. Recording time remaining. 29 hours. 41 minutes. Push 6 again. Wave 16-bit PCM. That's the highest quality. Recording time remaining. 4 hours. Two minutes. And that is stereo. You remember it said eight hours, but that was because that's a mono wave file, it's a stereo wave file. 
MP3 128 kilobits per second. Recording time remaining, 44 hours, 31 minutes. And we're going to set this to wave. Wave 16-bit PCM. And I'm going to hit down arrow. Record built-in microphone file type. Wave 16-bit PCM. And I'm going to hit Recording the time remaining. pound key to select those options and hit the star key to exit the menu. Leaving menu. And now we're going to switch to the Victor Reader Stream's internal microphone. Hello everyone, this is Rich Cavallaro doing a test for ACB Radio's main menu. This is the internal microphone, and we're recording in Wave. I'm just turning up my headphone output. You cannot adjust your input. It's, a, uh, it's an automatic control. But I'm going to be quiet and listen to the oddity that I was talking about with the wine. It definitely is there, especially if you're listening on headphones. You may not hear it as much if you're listening on speakers, but if you listen on headphones, you will definitely hear this. So this is the built-in microphone, and uh, you actually are able to monitor now through the output. You can, If you plug a set of headphones in, you will be able to hear yourself uh, in real time. So now what I'm going to do is to switch to another source. My sound professional is BMC-12s. These are binaural mics that I wear on the sunglasses and that are flush with the sides of my head. To really get the um, full effect of these microphones, you will want to wear headphones. I have some thoughts on recording that I will speak on more after we've done the tests. So, let's switch to the SP BMC-12 binaural microphones from the sound professionals. And again, listening with headphones is recommended. Thank you. And this is a short demo of the sound professionals SP BMC-12 binaural microphones. For the full effect of how these binaural microphones sound, I encourage everybody to have a set of headphones on when they're listening to this part of the review. But this is how external microphones sound with the Victor Reader Stream with the new stereo input that is on the right side of the device. You will notice that there is a lot of background noise, and that is not for my environment. For some reason, this is one of the other oddities in recording, even with external sources, there is still a lot of background noise, and the level is very quiet. This part of the podcast will not be normalized, so you can hear how it sounds exactly from the stream without any processing done in post-production. I think, and you'll hear me say this again as we continue on with some more comments as far as recording, that this is an area that needs a bit of work. Thank you. Now on with the podcast. Okay. I want to make some comments about recording. I think that if you listen to the binaural recording and the internal mic recording, I think like me, you'll be disappointed. Uh, I was really hoping for better. I think that this is the one area that I think could use some improvements. I heard the whine in both the external and the internal mic tests and a lot of hiss in the external microphone um, tests that I did. I hope that this can be addressed, especially the whine issue. I really don't understand uh, why that uh, is coming up unless this particular unit has a defect. So before we wrap up this podcast, there's one more feature I want to demonstrate, and that is the date and time feature. That is accessed via the sleep key, which of course, as I'm sure you remember, you can use that to set the stream for a predetermined amount of time, and then the unit will shut off. You also, by the way, have a custom option. So in addition to 15, 30, 45, or 60 minutes, you can enter a value from 1 to 99. You can put a custom sleep value in if you so desire. I'm going to push the sleep key now. 12 p.m. 2 March 2013. So that happens to be set right, but I'm going to hold down the sleep key. 
Date and time settings. Set time. And we're going to do that by pushing enter. 10, 12 p.m. Enter hour. One. Enter 10. Zero. Press 1 for a.m. Press 2 for p.m. And we're going to push 2 for p.m. 2. Enter minute. Good. Enter one, 12. 2. 10. 12. P.M. Confirmed. Push, Set time. Push down arrow or the 8 key. Set date. Set date. 2. March. 2. 2013. Enter year. And we're going to enter two, the year on the keypad, zero, which is 2013. One, three, push enter. Enter month. And we're going to enter zero, zero, 03, which three, is March. Enter day. And we'll enter the zero, second, which two, is... 2. March. 2. 2013. Confirmed. Set date. Push down arrow. Advanced time settings. In that menu, you have two options, one being able to choose 12 or 24 hour clock, and the daylight savings option. This will allow you to move the clock forward or backward one hour. This will not automatically be done, so you will have to do this manually. I'm going to hit the star key to get out of the date and time menu. Leaving date and time settings. And that is how you set the date and time for use with the new clock feature on the Victor Reader stream. And I think we have just about covered everything new in the stream. It is priced at $369. You can get it at Humanware.com. Also check with your local Humanware dealer around the world. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you have any comments, I'd be glad to hear them from you. You can email me, richcav, R-I-C-H-C-A-V, 1014, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. Find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia, blindness and low vision services. Welcome to this demonstration of using iOS 6 with VoiceOver. In this demonstration, I want to show you what it's like to use the new callback feature now available on your iPhone for incoming calls. So before I get started, let me say that my iPhone, in my case 4S, is turned on. VoiceOver is running and I've currently got my iPhone in its locked mode, so the screen's locked at the moment. And just a quick note, if you actually hear some noise in the background, such as rain, you would be absolutely right because as of this recording, it's pouring with rain outside but I thought I should probably get this demonstration done before the time runs out, so to speak. So pardon the rain, but you could always use it as a relaxation point, if you so wish. Okay, so I've already said that my iPhone's turned on. I've actually got my landline here with me, so I'm actually about to call my iPhone. Okay, it's dialing. When my phone rings, I'm going to flick to the Call Options button on the screen. Okay, touch on the screen. Slide to answer. All options, put a finger double tap, reply with a message, remind me later, and one finger double tap on remind me later. One hour button. And we've got one hour. Now at the moment, I'm going to help my landline because it's gone to voicemail, so I'm going to help my landline. So on the screen now, we've got just do one finger flick to the right and back again. When I in one hour button, okay, I can remind myself in one hour when I leave button when I leave my current location, and that beep in the background, of course, was my notifications going off that I had a one missed phone call. 
So when I leave my current location. When I get home. Button. When I get home. Cancel. Button. Cancel button. Just going through the options. So cancel button, one finger flick to the left. When I get home. When button. I get home. When I leave. When button. I leave. In one hour. Button. In one hour. So of course if I one finger double tap on one hour, that puts a reminder for one hour in my reminder app. And of course the when I leave option is where I currently am with the GPS location. And of course my home base setting when I get home to call the person back again as a reminder. So for the moment, I'm actually going to pick remind me in one hour. Finger double tap. Messages 52486 inches called. No voicemail message was left. For more information on this feed. Okay, of course that was my missed call reminder since I've just dismissed the other dialogue. Okay, so I'm actually going to lock my screen again. Screen locked. And I'm going to unlock it. 940. And to the bottom. Slide to unlock. One finger double tap to unlock. Messages, 12 new items. Okay, now I'm actually just going to touch the middle of the screen. Maps. I'm going to do one finger flick to the right to get to my reminders and just see if it's come up in my reminders app. Weather, passport, notes, reminders, two new items. Okay, reminders, two new items, one finger double tap. Reminders, assistive touch menu. Okay, now I've got assistive touch currently turned on on my iPhone screen, so I'm just going to tap my focus off that by just touching the top of the screen a bit lower. Work, heading. Okay, that's my heading for work. One finger flick to the right. Add reminder, button. One finger flick to the right. Two, completed. Call back David Woodbridge, overdue, today 1.04pm. Call back David Woodbridge, overdue, today 1.04pm. Call back 024305, today 10.40pm. Okay, so I'm doing this recording at approximately 9.40, and of course the reminder will be at 10.40 for myself to, in this case, call myself back. And that previous entry, of course, was me playing with this function at work this afternoon. Okay, so what I need to do now is just press the home button. Reminders, two new items. And I'm going to lock the screen again. Screen locked. And I'm just going to show you the other callback function that also comes up in that call option button on the screen. Okay, so I'm actually going to put my phone down, pick up my landline again, and dial my mobile number again. Okay, here we go. Pick my iPhone up, wait for it to ring. Okay, touch the middle of the screen. Select to answer. Call options, one finger double tap. Reply with message, one finger double tap. Talk right now. Okay, now I'm going to hang up my landline again. Now, of course, because I just use a landline to call my mobile phone, replying with a text message is going to be fairly useless. And of course, there's my reminder in the background. So we've got, so one finger flick to the right. I'll call you left. later. Can't talk right now. So I've got a message that says, can't talk right now. That was one that came up by default. One finger flick to the right. I'll call you later. Button. I'll call you later. I'm on my way. Button. I'm on my way. What's up? Button. What's up? Custom. Button. And custom. So I can one finger double tap on the first several options. If I one finger double tap on custom. Custom. Touch towards the top of the screen. Two, zero, two, four, three, zero, five, text field. Okay, one finger flick to the right. Message, text field, is editing. Okay, I can type on my own message, one finger flick to the right. Send, dimmed, button. And the send button, which is currently dimmed because I don't have any text in the message field. So let me just go back to the cancel button. Message, two, cancel, button. 9.45, two notifications. Okay, and I'm back to my lock screen with the notifications on screen it to locked. say that I missed that phone call. Notification. Can I lock my phone again? Screen locked. So I hope you've enjoyed this short demonstration of the callback features now available in iOS 6 on your iPhone. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services.
This is Chase Crispin at ATIA 2013, and I am visiting with Neil Kuyinski from Duxbury about some updates to the Duxbury software. Neil, welcome to Main Menu, and thanks for being here today. Oh, thanks a lot for inviting me, Chase. So what's new with Duxbury? Well, we've got a lot in development. Um, what we do have new is the 11.1 software, supporting the new Braille imprint that's going to be sold through America Thermoform, I believe. Um, we now support over 137 languages. We've made huge improvements in our back translation, uh, which means translating the Braille back into print. And this can be most useful for printing out interline print, where you have your Braille and print on the same page. And that's working in many languages, including Arabic and, uh, you know, pick your language. Uh, we, of course, already have built-in support for UEB. Particular interest to transcribers will be the next uh, releases of Duxbury 11.2, which will be coming out in the near future. will include updates for the new Braille formatting standards of BANA. And then all the other are sort of incremental increases and uh, improvements to the program. Uh, fixes and documentation, etc. Is that upgrade a paid upgrade from older versions? 11.2 will be free to people who purchased any version of 11.1, and there will be a cost to upgrade from older versions, and the cost will depend on how long ago you purchased your Duxbury software. Okay. Now, there's a lot of Mac users now, and a lot of people are wanting to use Duxbury on the Mac. Are you willing to say anything about that at this time? I am. Uh, first, I'll start with the, oh, we don't care about that. Um, but if you are running a Windows uh, system on your Mac through something like Boot Camp or Fusion, or there are quite a few of these, um, you can run the DVT Windows under Windows on the Mac like that. Um, of more interest, we're getting very close with our DVT Mac and our Perky Mac Duck, which is what I want the title to be for it, but the Perky Duck product for Macintosh. I do expect those to hopefully be shipping uh, last quarter this year. Um, and so we're getting very close to those. They will be compatible uh, with VoiceOver. They will be compatible with DBT Win. Um, so we're, we're working very, very diligently on those right now. Do you think the pricing will be the same on that as the Windows version, or are you not even quite ready to announce that? Um, we really haven't discussed pricing on it. Um, I don't. If there is any difference, I don't think there'll be a great deal of difference. Um, okay. But internally, we really have not discussed that at all. Yet. Okay. Can you give us some contact info for Duxbury? Absolutely. Uh, you can connect us uh, via email, uh, via info, I-N-F-O, at duxys.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at D-U-X-S-Y-S.com or through our website, www.duxburysystems.com. Um, you can Google us, you can call us, 978-692-3000, um, and we will be happy to help you. All right. Thanks for joining us on Main Menu, Neil. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, Chase. iRead was released a couple years ago here in the United States. Um, it is a lower cost solution than some and a more expensive solution than others. But I think overall it strikes a, a happy balance in terms of its functionality. So let's go ahead and get started. iRead, it's spelled exactly the way it sounds, I-R-E-A-D. And when I installed the software, an icon called iRead was placed on my desktop. So I'm going to go to my desktop here and I press uh, the letter I, 
and just go ahead and launch the program here. I hear that I am in the iRead software. I'm going to go ahead and turn up the volume on my laptop a little bit here. And the thing that's exciting about this new release of iRead is the support that it has for the very popular camera from Pathways Innovations. It's called the Hovercam. It is a Twain compatible device. If you don't have a Hovercam, probably the scanner that you do own, if you own one at all, will probably work just fine with iRead because it works with most Twain compatible scanners or cameras. What's unique about iRead compared with some of the other uh, scanner read packages on the market that have been on the market for, oh, gosh, in some cases upwards around 20 years, is that iRead doesn't have its own command structure. The idea being that people have their screen reader of choice and that they know how to use their screen reader and their email program and their word processor. Why not give people something similar to what they already understand and know? So what we have in iRead is a regular edit window and a menu bar, which we, of course, just pull down by pressing the Alt key. And I'll just go ahead. I hear File is the first choice on my menu bar. And I'll just go ahead and navigate from left to right here. Scan. Page. Bookmark. Navigation. Settings. Help. And we're back around the file. So I'll go ahead and just press the Escape key. Another advantage of iRead is because it is full page scanning and it just comes up into an edit window. It's got great support for people who use Braille. You capture an image with some of the other solutions on the market and within just a couple of seconds um, the page is being read back to you. And what's happened in, in those cases is that the image is being captured, the first chunk of text, so maybe the first paragraph, is being very quickly processed and reading back so it creates kind of that illusion that um, that's how fast it is when in fact what's going on in those situations is that while the text is being read to you out loud almost immediately, the rest of the page is being processed in the background. And there's nothing wrong with this approach. I think uh, if you can hear, it's, it's a valid approach. But um, if you are a person who is deafblind, this is not a good approach for you because there's no way uh, for a person to use a Braille display with these software packages. So what we do is full-page scanning. It's not as whiz-bang fast as, you know, two, three seconds. You might have to wait six or seven or eight seconds. What you get is a full-page scan, and you can use your Braille display um, as you scan your documents. Okay, so let's just go ahead and do a quick demonstration here. I've got a few things that I can use. In fact, my, my life tends to be a paper nightmare, and uh, I have iRead at my desk, and I use it every single day, not only for scanning hard copy uh, documents that come across my desk in, in the mail, for example, but also for importing uh, image files and PDF documents as well. iRead does a fabulous job of importing um, uh, faxes, for example. Our faxes come into our inbox. I can then import those faxes, which are at a resolution of, um, not a very good resolution, by the way, of 200 dpi or dots per inch. And iRead does a pretty admirable job. Um, in fact, I, I pull all the authorization numbers from um, some of the uh, state agencies right out of those those scanned documents, and I haven't had a wrong one yet. So, but let's get back to uh, scanning a page. So I've got a glossy brochure here. It's an eight and a half by eleven, double-sided. I've got a Samsung uh, laptop computer, not a slow machine. It's, it's a pretty nice machine, in fact. And I'm of course using it with the, the hover cam. To give you an idea what the hover cam looks like, it's got sort of an oval base to it. 
and I've set it on a, the rubber mat that comes with the Hovercam T5V. This is specifically for people uh, with vision impairment. And it telescopes up, and then the, uh, the camera actually flips out above the rubber mat. And on the rubber mat, we have tactile markings that show us exactly how to line up the base of the camera. And we've also got tactile markings where we can line up the edge of our pages so that we can make sure that the, uh, the document is straight. So I've done that. I've got this um, uh, 8.5 by 11 glossy brochure here. And the light in the room here is not that great. I've got some fluorescence. You can probably even hear them overhead here. Um, if I were to turn the lights off in my little cave that I call my office, I have no windows in here, uh, the light on the hover cam would not be enough to get a very accurate scan I've discovered. So I've got the fluorescence on and it's pretty pretty dim in here, but it's just enough light to get me some good accurate scans. By the way, the lamp on the hover cam um, can be switched on and off and I've got this one switched on. You can feel when it's on if you can't see the light, it's, it's a little bit warm. If you switch it to the left, the lamp is on. If you switch it to the right, the lamp is off. And there might be some situations, it depends totally on the lighting conditions in the room. Uh, some situations where you might not want the lamp glaring off of a glossy surface or maybe you've just got enough light in the room where you just don't need the lamp on. In any case, I've got mine on and I'm just going to reach over here. I can either press F2 to scan or I can press the space bar. And I'll go ahead and press the space bar now. We hear your typical um, camera flash and just in a few seconds here we'll hear a beep tone. There it is. That indicates that the processing has been carried out and now I can just go and read this page in the edit field. And let's go ahead and uh, do a say all uh, with my screen reader. The next generation and refreshable braille devices featuring anti-text revolutionary active tactile control and fair ATC right there in technology. Active braille has dashed for the first time in refreshable braille history. Dash opens up a number of unique and powerful possibilities for rehabilitation professionals, educators, and blind consumers. That is one page using iRead. Give you a few examples of some of the things I use it for besides mail at my desk every day. Um, I cut the checks for the company. So whenever I want to make sure that the check in my Accomplished Cash Manager software, which is another product that we sell, it's fully accessible business finance software. Sorry for the commercial. <laughs> um, but it's, it's pretty awesome that I can do this stuff. Uh, what I'll do is I'll pull out a paper check and I'll plunk it on down and, and um, have iRead take a picture of it just to make sure that I've, I've got the, the correct check number on the physical check as the one that is um, being reported in the cash manager software. Another example is when I'm doing labels, UPS labels, I want to make sure that uh, my toner is holding out and that the label is good and accurate and uh, visible. So after I print off the label, I'll of course, I'll, again, plunk it down under the uh, hover cam, take a picture of it, and then also make sure that I've got the um, the way these labels work is you fold the page in half and you have to make sure that uh, you, before you put it in the, the little pouch that you then stick to the box that you're shipping, you want to make sure that you've got the shipping address facing up towards the camera. So that's another application that I'll use it for. Another application that I'll use iRead for, and I mentioned, I alluded to earlier, I think, is the ability to import image files such as JPEGs, GIF images. There are several that are supported with the import feature of iRead. And I'll just go ahead and give you an example. Um, first of all, let me just delete this page. Delete page dialog. Are you sure you want to delete the current page left page? Yes, but I'll say yes. 
And I've got a blank document again. Uh, the command to delete a page, by the way, is Control D, and then you confirm with the Yes button that you do, in fact, want to delete the page. I'm going to go ahead and go into the File menu here just by pressing Alt F. And I'm going to go down to Import. Okay, I hear dot dot dot, which implies that it's a dialog box. And before I get to import something, I'm being prompted to save the previous document, which of course is empty, so I'll say no. We don't need to say that. It's looking for a file name, and I'm going to tab over to the... I tabbed over to the files of type selection, and I'm going to down arrow to PDF. Which I know is just three presses of the down arrow, and I'm going to shift tab back to to um, my folder list. And I'm going to go down through the right down through the tree structure because I know I'm going to go to users. Um, the user's name is owner on this computer. Open that and I want to go to my documents. Okay, now I'm going to tab over to the file list. And the file that I, I actually faxed to myself for this presentation, uh, I believe it's called underline. I'm going to go ahead and uh, press enter now that I've selected my file. Cancel button. 95%, 100%, edit read only. And we've already finished the processing. I'm going to just go ahead and do a say all from here. Okay, so I've got a blanket certificate of exemption. I, I see that's what this document is, but of course this could very easily be a purchase order from one of our customers. And um, we hear that, once again, the accuracy is very, very good. I'm going to go ahead and um, delete this page. Because we're going to go ahead and move on to a, a feature that allows us to actually um, kind of do a batch scan here. <laughs> Paper. Okay, so I have this book, and I believe this is my um, Medica insurance policy book here. I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm not going to open it to the first page because I'm pretty reasonably sure that the first couple of pages um, are table of contents. If I were if I were uh, scanning this for myself because I wanted to, to read it in its entirety, I would probably just go ahead and start from the beginning. But let's just go ahead and start from somewhere in the middle here. I'm going to go ahead and press the keystroke to do a, a batch scan here, which is control space. And I've got it, like I mentioned, set up so every few seconds, I'm going to take a picture here. So I'm already ready for the next picture. Okay, turn the page. Going back to the other side of the book. I really don't feel like I'm being too horribly rushed, and I can always lengthen this interval if I feel like I am. I'm going to press the escape key to stop the scanning of the uh, document. And the first thing I hear... Sorry, I had you covered up with the book. Um, we've got recognize now as an option, and if I down arrow through these op other options, recognize later I can recognize the, or process the pages later, the start discard everything I just did, scan more pages 
Resume scanning and scan more pages. And we wrap back around to recognize now. I'll press the enter key on this. And it is now processing those few pages that I just um, took the pictures of. And the little beep, beep, beeps indicate that it is completed processing of those oh, four or five pages. How many pages were there? Let's find out. I'll press the F6 key. Select the page to go to colon list box. Four colon C. How providers are paid. Four or three colon C. How Meredith are paid. Two colon left bracket. No text was found on. So let's go to. Three colon C. How Meredith are paid. Four colon C. How providers are paid. Yeah, let's just go ahead and say, see how providers are paid. I'll press enter on that. And we go immediately back to page four. And I can just start reading from where I am on the page. How providers are paid by MCHA. This section describes how providers are generally paid for health services. See of additions. See words and specific meanings. Cold coinsurance. Covered person. Deductible. Hospital. Network. Not that network. Physician. Provider. Network. Provider. Network. Health. And I hear once again, we got a pretty good accuracy. And again, if I want to read things in detail, I can do so right on my Braille display. Another feature that I want to show you is if we if we aren't sure that we're scanning things um in the right orientation, for example, I could have been reading this book from the back cover to the front of the book. And if I want to ensure that this is not the case, I can press uh, Control plus F2. And I hear that the page last scan had portrait orientation. Uh, if it had been upside down, it would have said it had portrait orientation and is upside down. If a document has oh, bold text, underlined text, um, heading styles applied, things that indicate uh, specific sections of the book, we can also uh, press F5, which will bring up our list of headings. Now here in this case, we've got three headings. Withhold arrangements, left parent, page four, right parent. And let's go to withhold arrangements for the sake of uh, demonstration here. And I can go right to that heading. Withhold arrangements for some network providers paid on the fee dash for dash service basis, including most network physicians and clinics. MCHA holds maximum of the payment business bill. Okay. And that's it. The base cost of iRead is $499. And you can download it from ftp.handydeck.de slash public. Go to the software folder, and here you will find the iRead folder. Please make sure you download the uh, version with the most current or the latest date. If you opt for the iRead bundle for $899, we will send you a hover cam from our office, and it will be accompanied by a CD which will have the latest version of the iRead software, the manual, and the latest Twain driver for that hover cam. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a call at 651-636-5184. You can send an email to info at attriumph.com. That's info at attriumph.com. Or you can visit us online and check out all the other stuff that we have to offer at www.attriumph.com. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to talking to you sometime soon. This is Chase Crispin at ATIA 2013, and I am speaking with Tony Shank from Enabling Technologies about some new embossers and software that they've released. Welcome to Main Menu. Thank you, Chase. Good to be here. So what do you guys have new? Our latest embosser is the Phoenix. It combines high-resolution tactile graphics, very high, like 25 dot per inch graphics, um, 
with our legendary Romeo Braille quality. So you basically have both high-quality Braille and high-resolution graphics in one machine. How does it actually work in terms of producing the Braille to add a tactile graphic to a page? Well, the Phoenix actually comes with the Firebird software suite. It's our free software that we include with the products. And that allows you to take conventional graphic images like JPEGs, PNGs, GIFs, that sort of thing. And you can work on them uh, with a number of filters that are in the software. And it helps you create very nice tactile graphics very rapidly with very few keystrokes. It also includes a Braille editor that will allow you to go in and clean up that image, insert Braille labels, and fix any, uh, any flaws in the converted image. So it, it's taken what used to be a very cumbersome process and made it very easy for an individual to, to create good results. Has it been your experience that embossing an image along with Braille text, does that decrease quality compared to dedicated tactile graphic machines or not? Well, typically in a uh, textbook, for example, you're going to have a lot of Braille material plus the embedded graphics. And they're sort of at each other's odds because the, the dot size required to make good quality Braille is far too large to make high resolution graphics. The Phoenix actually has two embossing heads in it and one is used to produce uh, standard text, standard Braille, the other used to produce the high resolution graphics and that's where you get a result that doesn't compromise quality for either the tactile image or the Braille text. And I believe you also have some updates to the software that ships with this embosser, is that correct? Yes, we're very excited. Uh, uh, just released Generation 2 of the Firebird software. Um, the product's been on the market uh, just about two years now, and uh, the original software version uh, incorporated a lot of sophisticated filters, but very confusing, uh, you know, except uh, to people who are used to working with it. But Generation 2 was based on a lot of user feedback, and we've incorporated a lot of easier-to-use tools. We've added a lot of features the original version didn't have, and it's much easier to use. It's also a free upgrade. Uh, our software does not have uh, any per seat charges, and upgrades are free to existing customers. So uh, that's something that, that is a big advantage in, in that product. Do you have any pricing that you can tell us for your embossers? The Phoenix sells for 4995 and again, it includes the, uh, the Firebird software at that price. We have uh, conventional embossers, though, that begin as low as 2295 Okay. And which embossers are those? Uh, we make the Romeo and Juliet line. Those are our most popular product lines. Uh, we also make uh, several production-grade machines, uh, our Braille Bookmaker and Braille Express series. Those are for much larger scale uh, production where you're running them, say, six, eight hours a day, okay. that sort of thing. All right. Can you give us some contact information if people want to check out your products or purchase them? Certainly. On the web, you can visit us at www.brailler.com, and that has our full product line, including product demonstration videos on board. Our toll-free uh, telephone number is 1-800-777-3687. All right. Thank you very much for joining us on Main Menu today, and I'm sure people will be checking out your products. Thank you very much, Chase. It's a pleasure to have done the interview. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week, and we'll see you soon.